Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Happy Hour Hoops. It is May 2nd, 2023. The second round of the playoffs are almost fully underway. We start the last matchup tonight, the Lakers and Warriors in what is one of the most anticipated second round series. But before we get to that, I'm joined by none other than our favorite guest here, guest host Amari McPherson. And our, as always, Stevie, Boston Steve, as otherwise known as, uh, I was trying to go for it. I uh, couldn't remember the city name. Yeah, you got to claim them now. It's been a rough Stevie Boston. For Stevie, Stevie Boston. Boston. There, that's what I was like. Couple days. It's been a rough couple days it's been for a rough Stevie couple Boston. Days for Stevie yeah, you claim, you claim the city and then they, yeah, rough couple days. Rough couple city days. City has so, to claim me, that's for sure. They, they're, I don't know what they're claiming right now. They're claiming a lot of things. So we got to start there guys we gotta start there last night i tweeted about it and stat news confirms it was literally maybe the best game of james harden's career when you take in age oh yeah setting um circumstance everything is that the we've all james harden is not like a guy like we've all grown up with james harden we're all around the same age like we've watched his ascension and watched his prime and now his you know, dissent a little bit, but this felt like it didn't even feel like, I don't even know what this felt like. It felt like James Harden, like the master of all his powers, kind of. And I don't know how many times he could ever do this again, but that's what it felt like to me. How did you guys feel? We'll start with Steve and go to Amari. I mean, it was, I guess, unexpected for me. I did not expect to see this out of James Harden. And you're right. I feel like this was his best game. We've seen James Harden put up gaudy stat lines in his mm -hmm. days with the Rockets, just insane stat lines. But in terms of like what the implications for this game were too, right? Nobody, nobody had the Sixers beating the Celtics last night. No one had them. I think they were 10 point underdogs. Embiid was confirmed out. People are saying the series is already over before it started. Celtics in four, Celtics in five. And the only way, the only way the Sixers beat the Celtics in this situation was it James Harden went nuts? Because I'll tell you what, on the other side of the ball, yeah, the Celtics had a couple bad turnovers at the end. Marcus Smart didn't have his best game. But on the other side of it, Tatum played well. Jalen Brown played well. The Celtics still played their game. And the only reason the Sixers stayed in the game to the point where they could win it in the fourth quarter was because of James Harden. He was doing everything. And the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing where I think this is James Harden's best game he only had four free throws. And when most people want to hate on James Harden, oh, he put up, yeah, he scored 50 points, but he was 22 or 23 from the line. Or, oh, he got, he got fouled 14 times. James Harden only had four free throws. He made his shots. He was attacking the rim. His step back looked as iconic of a James Harden step back as we've seen in years. And Lethal. he completely changed the direction of this series because now – Maybe Embiid comes back. I'm not sure when Embiid will come back, if he does. But either way, the Sixers are right back in this. Even if they lose game two, you're a 1-1, and you have switched the home court advantage because James Harden played the game of his life in Boston. And as Stevie Boston doesn't love it, but Stevie the NBA fan can appreciate how great a basketball we saw and how we saw James Harden after what I thought, you know, probably three years after his prime. <laughs> look like the best James Harden we've ever seen oh. coming after, of course, in the most James Harden fashion earlier in the week. Oh, he was at a strip club. Oh, James Harden was doing this mm. before they get does not matter. Strip club. James is all the way back, baby. <laughs> and we got a series. Oh, once again. 
He is. Oh my party. goodness. He really strip, is. Strip, was strip what club James? What happened? Oh my goodness. <clears throat> I don't what even happened? know. Maybe maybe those rumors of him going back to Houston, you know, played up in his mind before game one, and he's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta throw it back to who I was in Houston. But no, um, definitely a great game. Nobody expected, especially at this age, for him to go uh, chuck up 14 threes, make uh, seven of them. And it was a close game, you know, the whole game. And, and even the, the it, it wasn't an easy win by by any means. And the Celtics still could have won. Maxi put up over 20, uh, even with Embiid out. I think they're a nine-point underdog for game two. Um, so it really could just go either way. But for him to kind of throw it back to that Houston James Harden, like we were saying, it was refreshing for me because, um, as we know, I'm kind of a Rockets fan as well. But um, to see him throw it back to to how he's been before and the playoff doubt uh, pitfalls of before when he was with the Rockets, you know, not to say that he redeemed himself, but it was just refreshing to see. And hopefully it continues because for me personally, it's something that I'm rooting for, for him to you know, have those playoff successes with or without a co-star or not. Now, I don't expect them to win the championship necessarily, but you just never know. And so for him to do that in game one was definitely a refreshing sign. Definitely a refreshing sign for uh, the Sixers and their fans as well. If they could do something like this without Embiid, who's obviously their go-to guy, then maybe they actually have a shot in the series. And who knows how long, how, you know, far it goes. Man, I was just in awe. Like, I'm not a James Harden fan. I'm not a James Harden hater. I really don't have a lot of opinions. Like, I've, like, I just, I've, I've been a hater. That's a lie. I've been a hater, but it's been justified hate. <laughs> I say, be honest. Voices and everything else. Yeah. I've been, I, but it, it's been more recently, like the, the 2017 Rockets. I, first of all, I was pulling, I'm sure you were pulling for them just as hard as anybody else, too. Because I don't even want to. I don't even want to let you know how upset I was at that game seven. Oh my God. I, I can tell you exactly. Like I remember where I was like the exact like spot I was sitting in watching that whole thing unfold and just all the threes and everything. But Harden, the, the thing is when I posted that stat muse thing, you look at all the performances of 45, it's 2017, it's 2016, it's 2018. There's one from 2021 where he put up 41. That was also against Boston. He also had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on, on that team. So it's a little bit of a different situation. I don't remember who was on the floor for that game. Maybe he did just have a natural 41. They lost though. And this is a, that's the thing about this game is that he had 45 and they all, they meant everything to that team. He was the heart and soul of the Sixers last night, which he really hasn't been. And yet, I feel like this is like, you know, he's, I, I don't know what Sixers fans and none of us are Sixers fans. I don't know what Sixers fans would have thought of him before last night, but I feel like last night changed everything. Even if he leaves after this and they lose the series, they'll always have that game where he literally poured everything out. And like you said about the jump shots and the threes, Amari, I just kept waiting for him to be short. I was like in the fourth quarter, I was like, dude, there three of these are just going to His, his legs are going to get tired throwing up all these yeah, jump shots. Like I've seen him do with it. Like he just fades out yeah. and when he goes half, like recently and it never happened. And it's even that last mm -hmm. jumper by the end of the yeah. game, the last jumper, when he pulled up out at that point, I was like, that's going in. Like he is not missing tonight. <laughs> this is cat. And that one thing. And it's, it's crazy that he can get back to that point and take on like Tatum played awesome. Not great at the yeah. end. He was not great no. at the end of the game. Brown had a good game had a struggle in the final like three or so minutes on offense but overall like the celtics were you know they they got up by like seven eight they were trying to pull away and james harden wouldn't allow it the entire game yeah. it was one of those it's not one of those oh this guy started hot where he ended hot he was good from quarter one to quarter four yep 
And I think that's the most impressive because we never don't see yeah. that from James Harden. You don't usually see James Harden from start to finish be one of the best players or the best player on the court. And he was last night. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's what it comes down to. And then even still at the end, you they have a chance. The Celtics have a chance at the end. Malcolm Brogdon, execu- oh. poor execution. I don't know what he was doing. Thought Tatum was still there. Throws the ball away. That gives Maxi the the tying bucket, and that's where we get to the situation at the end of the game where uh, Harden has the thing. So the opportunities were there for the Celtics, even with this Harden performance. And again, for the Celtics, just looking at it from their perspective here, it's a team that you know went six games with Atlanta, and we're like, ah, whatever. Like they're still like we know how good they can be. They're just playing around. And then Al Horford today admits that they were they went into that game with less intensity last night because Joel Embiid was not there. Yeah. And I ask you, Amari, first, because Dunny's not here, so he's not going to defend Joe Missoula vigorously right now. Isn't that a coaching problem if you guys aren't locked in for game one against your the, – the, this is the biggest rival, one of the biggest rivalries in basketball and all of sports, and you're not locked in for game one at home against them when you could crush them? Like, go out go out and fucking blow them out because MB's yeah. not there. Don't come in and go light on them. So that that worried me a lot. And Al Horford saying that, a guy that you don't hear, like, coming out against the team a lot, too. It just – that was a little worrisome from the Boston side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you shouldn't ever need – if you're a professional, you shouldn't ever need a coach to kind of get you motivated. But to also just go out there and kind of admit that you were lackadaisical about – a game one series in the second round. And maybe it shouldn't surprise me because Al Horford, his plus minus was minus 17 worse yeah. on the Celtics. So, I mean, that probably shouldn't surprise me, but to hear somebody like Al Horford of all people to hear that kind of come out of his mouth was definitely a surprise, but also that just shows you that if they had put even a little bit more effort in this game, they would have won because it mm-hmm. wasn't a blowout even with Harden scoring 45. So, um, I don't know. Maybe they'll get their act together for game two. Like I said, they're they're a nine point favorite, still at home. So we'll see what happens in, in the next couple of days. Yeah, I, I think I kind of you kind of saw glimpses of it in the Hawks series, right? Where the Celtics would have these big leads at halftime and have the big lead, and then all of a sudden the, the Hawks just come back, and you're like, wait a second, this is a six seven point game. And some of those games you weren't really worried because in the back of your head you're like, ah, oh, the Celtics are going to win this anyways. Trace Trey Young stole the game. He he stole a game. I believe it was was a game five. I think Trey basically stole with just making the shots at the end of the game. And this is like the third time we've seen it in the playoffs already. And I think the Celtics are the best team on paper. I think they have the perfect kind of team to build like a championship type team. However, this is like the third time we have seen the Celtics where either they've been up to a big lead or they just haven't came out with that 105% intensity. And that's the concerning side. That's a concerning side because I think that's when you can go back to coaching a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think Amari agrees. You shouldn't have need a coach to motivate you like that. This is a Celtics team that went to the NBA Finals last year against the Warriors. This is a Celtics team that showed they can do it, that they can get there. And you don't think that these players want nothing more than to ch- kind of get redemption and, you know, the year after falling just short, win the NBA championship? It might just be in their head where they just think, oh, we can cakewalk through the East. We're good enough to get through the East. And we have seen, whether it was in a couple games against the Hawks and then game one last night against Philly, you can't take anyone for granted in the NBA playoffs. All these guys are professionals. All of these guys got to the NBA because they could score 40 a night against anybody, whether it was high school, college, overseas, wherever. 
They're all talented. They all can do it. And you're going up against James Harden, who, as much as I don't love James Harden, for his career, he can yeah. be one of those guys if he wants to be. Yeah. So you can't just take anything for granted. So I'm not too worried about the series overall for the Celtics because I just think they have the talent. They have the team that's gone there before. Definitely. They can kind of snap out of it. But this is like the second or third time we've seen these playoffs where the reason the Celtics lost a game is because it's just low effort in certain situations or just really stupid mental errors. You look at the end of that game, maybe the Celtics were upset that they didn't get, obviously, the offensive foul called their way. But what are you doing with Malcolm Brogdon's turnover there? And if people are going to blame Brogdon for just handing the ball to Tyrese, Jason Tatum should not be passing that up. I'm sorry. When the shot clock is at three seconds and you are, you are the best player on the team, you're shooting that ball. I don't care if it's a contested shot. You shoot that because you're not throwing it to Malcolm Brogdon with about a second to go on the shot clock and making him make a play. You were the superstar. You were having a phenomenal game before pretty much the final four minutes. Yeah. Act like it. Try to take the game over. If James Harden did that. Jason Tatum did that. Didn't do that. And I think that comes back to the Celtics yeah. having that lackadaisical approach, which is something you can fix pretty easily because they have the talent. They have the players. They have the build for the team. But it's like you got to get there mentally. You yeah. have not won the East yet, despite what the Vegas book said before this series started. <laughs> the Bucks getting eliminated, right? And then you have the Knicks beating the Cavs. You have like you have Embiid out in game one, possibly longer. It does not matter. You still have to win eight games if you want to get to the NBA Finals. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just hand them to you. Do we think that all of that kind of played a factor more mentally because they're so. the top seed obviously got eliminated unexpectedly in the first round. So now they're just thinking, oh, well, like you said, it's just going to be a cakewalk to the finals. We don't really have to put in that much effort just for the Sixers to come in there and steal home court in game one. Now, it took more of a heroic effort because they were out their best their best player. But nonetheless, now you're in game two still at home and you're down a game. You have to win two games just to get the series lead going into Philadelphia where they're going to have the momentum. Yep. Now, what are you going to do the rest of the series? Now, I do agree to your point about I'm not really worried about the rest of the series, but as we know, these things can it can go either way. Like the top seed just got eliminated. We just never know. So, yeah, to that point about the whole mental thing, obviously, if they put just a little bit more effort in, they could win this game. And now they're thinking, oh, it's going to be a cakewalk because it, I mean, all the lower seeds are at advance and they're obviously the higher seed now. So, um, um, I'm assuming you guys agree with that, but yeah, you guys, and I think, yeah, go ahead. I just think game two, Amari, is where we're gonna see it. If the Boston Celtics show up and it looks like, oh, we are better than this Philly team, regardless of who's on the court, we know we're better, we know the best team in the East, and they win by you know 15 20. That's a statement win. But if we see the same old Celtics, I think that's when I get concerned because I've told you, I think this is a team that's perfectly built to win a championship. But you got to have the mental willpower. You got to say, we want it. Not that, oh, we, we deserve to go back. We think we can go back. No, we want to go back. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We got to win these games. And I think to your point, Amari, I think after the Bucks losing and then the unbeat injury, the Celtics kind of been like, hey, we were we went to the finals last year. We're going to cruise through the East now. We're a good matchup against the Heat. We're fine in the Don't East. scare us. Yeah, we're fine <laughs> in the East. Exactly. And look what happened to the team that said they're fine yeah. in the West. So, no, the I West. agree. It's, you guys... it's half a mental battle as well. And the Celtics have to learn that because the Hawks series, they didn't really win mentally. They were a much better team, but they didn't win the mental battle. Yeah. And this game won. Yeah, that, that series should have been a sweep. And they just allowed it's Atlanta, especially that last game five, they just allowed them yes. to win when they could have wrapped yep. it up. So, I yep. mean, you – you have two mistakes like that. Who knows what this series is going to be? And you're going against a better team. So you better not have those mental mistakes yep. because next thing you know, you're going to be eliminated. 
You guys are speaking to everything I wanted to say about it. And it's the biggest thing that worries me about it is I don't know where they are, where their mental space is, where their mentality is, but that's how, that's how teams get upset in the NBA playoffs happens every year. Is if you get shook for two games, all it takes is you're shook for two games and you're done. Because like you said, Amari, now they got, now they already, they're up that building that mountain already for themselves, losing game one. And now the series is flipped in Philly's favor Friday night game three in Philly, by the way, that crowd's going to be jumping. They get Friday and Sunday. So they get the good, they get the better days. They get the more advent, like a Monday and Wednesday game just doesn't hit the same as a Friday and Sunday. And I think that the, and the league does that in a certain way too, that, that, that they always schedule in that way. And it's, it's going to help Philly to have that crowd behind them. And imagine if they're up 2-0. I think that they, I don't think that the Celtics are blowing them out or, or going to jump out to a bit. I think this is going to be another dog fight, whether it's Embiid or not tomorrow. And it doesn't mean the Celtics can't win. They should respond. They should win. Derek White, who I've been praising saying he's, a superstar, top 10 player in the league, joking, half joking, whatever. He was terrible last night. Harden exposed the fuck out of him. Exposed. And smart, too. Both and of them. smart. Smart was the best of cards. Until Missoula was just like, okay, I need you out there. Like, some, you, you guys have to play at this point. That's what Joe turned into. And that it's, you guys spoke to it perfectly. He's, Missoula has to get their mentality back on straight. And that's, I think that's the most damning thing about the Horford quote bringing it full circle is that if Al's seeing that and he's saying something after game one, he knows something's up and they got to respond. And they've responded before, but this is also a team that, They've got trauma too, man. They like speaking out. This team's been together, been through a lot of wars. That means they've lost a lot and, and seen these moments come up and been like, fuck. And you don't know what's going to, you don't know which response you're going to have until you're in the moment. And coaching does a lot with that. Ime was steady. Brad was steady. I don't know if Missoula is yet. And this is now tomorrow is the biggest game of his career. And the rest of the series will be. And Rivers has an advantage on him. He does at the moment. So um, can we, you want to move on to the, to some games for tonight? Um, and then we'll touch on other sons at the end. Well, we got to start here. The Los Angeles Lakers visiting the Golden State Warriors for game one tonight. I'm just feeling very nostalgic today, guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I don't know if I ever told you this, Amari. So when I, when you guys set up college orientation, I had no idea what I was doing when I set up college orientation for Kent State. I had no idea. Picked a random date. I was like, Monday sounds good. <laughs> Did this in like April, whatever. Had no idea. Somehow, I ended up picking the day after game seven of the NBA finals for my college <laughs> orientation. So, Yikes. Cavs, Warriors, game seven, 2016. I'm watching at home. Obviously, greatest night of my sports life. Yeah. The next day, I had to wake up at like three in the morning, three thirty, to drive to Kent, Ohio, three hours. Didn't care. Best drive ever. I'm just listening to podcasts <laughs> and all this stuff, talking about LeBron and the Cavs winning a title. Then proceeded to have the greatest orientation day ever in Northeast Ohio because everybody was just wearing Cavs gear and <laughs> the greatest probably orientation. I can't imagine orientation parties even happen anymore. But there was it was a great night in Kent. Ohio. And I will always remember that. Never forget 2016 and those four years indebted. And now we have round five, 2015 through 19 and round five. It is not the Cavs, it's the Lakers. So it's not as fun, but it is kind of more fun in a way too, because this is a second round series that to me, guys, Amari, I'll start with you here as the other, as the real Clevelander. I'm just the adopted one for the, uh, <laughs> for my college years, but as the real Clevelander, the real New East Ohio, and what this series just like, Lakers, Warriors, seeing this happen second round, like what are your thoughts going into it? Just big picture for game one. Honestly, 
Nothing. Um, I think obviously the excitement is around LeBron and stuff, but like you said, it's not the same two teams. Both guys are older. Now I think it'll be kind of nostalgic. Uh, if I'm being honest, just because of what happened. But, I mean, it just doesn't hit the same. It's, it's the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. It's not the finals, you know what I mean? And I think as much as I don't want them to win, I'm almost expecting the Warriors to win. So it, it doesn't really – I don't want to say it doesn't mean much to me. It's just I, I'm going to sit back and enjoy it and, and hope that, you know, uh, the Lakers win. Now, I will say I would have much rather preferred to see the Lakers and the, and the Kings. I think that would be – a, a for me, a much more exciting series to see just because of, you know, their youthfulness and obviously that first playoff win and how the Lakers obviously being a lower seed beating, uh, you know, the second seed at Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so for me, that would have been the better draw for me personally, but I could definitely understand how this would, um, you know, excite some fans. But one thing the you know, the Lakers won the season series three to one against the Warriors. Yeah. And I think that probably goes over a lot of people's heads. And even I forgot that fact, but you know, LeBron has been in and out of games. Steph has been in and out of games. Clay has been up and down uh, from the beginning of the season. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't really know what to expect. I know the Warriors have the, the the favorite for the series and the favorite for tonight. I'm just hoping for a good game pretty much. And to see, um, if the momentum that the Lakers had in that first round can continue for this round, because uh, the Grizzlies and the, and the Warriors are two different teams. I mean, the Grizzlies were great in the regular season, but they just kind of fell apart um, in the playoffs for a team that has, you know, jailed together more than Lakers because the Lakers kind of came together last minute at the trade deadline and they look great. Don't get me wrong, but um I think the Grizzlies definitely should have won that series, but they look definitely shook. And now you're going against the defending champions and they're not going to be shook, um, you know, at all. So um, I think it'll be exciting. Uh, hopefully it goes seven games and we'll see. Yeah. I, I think every NBA fan wants this to be one of those series, right? Kind of similar to Warriors Kings where it feels like that, where it's just been a couple tight games. It goes seven, a lot of excitement, a lot of offense. And I'm not sure if we're going to see that. I think the Lakers, have been probably one of the best teams in the second half of the season. I said that. I thought they made brilliant moves at the deadline. I really like the look of their team now. It just kind of works, and it helps where LeBron doesn't have to do everything. He's been great, but he didn't have, you know, a dominant LeBron series against the Grizzlies. He was good, but there were a lot of other guys that stepped up. And then you look at the Warriors, and the scariest thing about the Warriors is I think they're getting – they're peaking at the right time. The Warriors are starting to play their best basketball. They Which I hate. I know. I know you do. I know you do. I know both of you hate that. But they're starting to play their best basketball. Wiggins coming back has been a huge help. They won two, not one, but two road games, the final two road games against the Sacramento Kings when the whole regular season they That's crazy, win yeah. the road. They mm -hmm. win that huge swing game in game five. And then when they lose at six at home, you're like, okay, Kings are just going to win this at home in seven. Like the Warriors aren't winning two straight on the road. And then they have probably their best game of the entire oh, series yeah. in game seven, where we're talking about how James Harden against in game one against Boston looked like, you know, prime James Harden. Steph Curry put on a master class against the Sacramento Kings in game seven. First off, Steph, I want to apologize. I will never doubt you again. I was like, I, I told I told Jake before, I was like, I want to root for the Kings game seven. They're the new fun team, exciting team at home. I'll root for him. I'm like, this is nothing against Steph. I'm like, if Steph's going to make me eat my words, and what'd he do? 
He made me eat my words. I mean, he was hitting threes, but it wasn't just the threes he was hitting. He was running all over the court like the damn Energizer buddy. He was crossing up everybody's ankles there. The one layup he got, I think it was like his second last basket of the game, where he got fouled four different times in that play. Every Kings <laughs> dribbling through everybody. And he just gets through and then puts in the layup. I mean, it was a masterclass by Steph. The Warriors are looking – they're the defending champs, and if you want a team that knows how to win, there's no team better than the Warriors right now of a team that's just used to coming together as a group and winning when it matters. But I also think this is going to mean a little something extra. I you We say this all the time too, but off the court, LeBron, like he's friends with these guys. LeBron's friends with Draymond. He's friends with Curry with these guys. It's going to mean a little something extra. I think it's going to feel more important than a second-round series. And maybe that's the NBA fan of me wanting it to be the case. But I really do think this is going to feel a little more special than just a second-round series. And I don't really have a prediction right now. I think I'm going to go Warriors as well, probably at least tonight in game one. And for this series, I think I lean Warriors. But this series, to me, is a series that is going to be great for all basketball fans. Because, you know, you have fans that watch the NBA through the regular season like us, you know, that know all the teams, know all the players. And then you have guys that care about three or four guys. And growing up, our like our generation, it's LeBron James and Steph Curry one, too. If you want to argue who the best player in the NBA is through our life, you can do whatever you want. But most important, LeBron James, Steph Curry, there's no debate about that. So to just see it potentially be the last like playoff meeting between these two, it's just a juggernaut-type series. I hope it goes seven. I want as many games as possible in this series. But I, I understand it's a little different with Lakers-Warriors, obviously not Cavs-Warriors. It's a little different there. But I feel like you just got to sit back and relax and enjoy this series because these are two, not only like two generational type players that are going battling, going to war against each other and one, you know, maybe potentially final playoff series against each other. This is also potentially could be a stepping stone to either of their final chance at an NBA title. Because if you win this series, and I know the Nuggets have looked great and we'll talk about them later, but if you win this series – Pretty good matchup, pretty good matchup where I think I think the West Conference Finals, regardless if it's Phoenix, Denver, LA, Golden State, whoever it is, I think that's going to be another war of a series. And all you got to do is get to the finals to win it. We've seen that. The yeah. East, like it's having its own problems right now. But this is potentially not just a chance to beat the other guy in the series, LeBron versus Steph. This is a chance to be like, hey, let's go get one more ring. Yeah. And I think, I think it's going to be fantastic for basketball. 100%. Yeah, you look at next round. If if one of these teams get through and they play the Nuggets who are up 2-0, you're not picking no one's no one is really like casual NBA every the NBA just sphere in general is not going to pick against LeBron or Steph to make the finals right. in that scenario. No matter what. Right. And maybe that's just another cap in the disrespectful Jokic huh. like he's going to get tonight when Joel Embiid's named MVP. I'm sure that that's not going to cause any issues anywhere. No one's going to feel any type of way about that. Denver's going to win game three by 25. That happens. <laughs> he, said he, he said he doesn't care. What do you mean? Yeah, he did, yeah. but... <laughs> Until he yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's a great point, Steve. The, the leg- like These two understand the moment they're in. That's the yes, thing I do. think I'm most excited about when I talk about, like, it's not the same, but just the fact that Steph and like Steph and LeBron know what this means, like yes. what it means for what, everything you just said, all the stakes that are at line, but also the legacy thing at stake with them. LeBron, especially being one and three against Steph, 
is probably feeling some type of way. And especially with his Lakers tenure, I mean, they have a title, but obviously it's not gone how anybody has thought it's going to gone. I think, you know, Complex put an article out that this means more for Steph. And I think there's way more pressure on LeBron to get something done as a Laker here in what is the biggest non-final series that he's had there. Because if they, if he loot, you know what's going to happen if they lose. If he loses, if the Lakers lose the series, you know what happens. We know how this turns out for LeBron's like, like it's just the general consensus on LeBron is if, if he loses the series to Curry, and he won't get as much credit for beating the Warriors if it happens either. That's just how these things go. I think Curry is deserving of that credit if the Warriors move on, a hundred percent. But it, it's. It's just how this thing has played out for 20 years now. And I think that the, the pressure is squarely on them on the road tonight. Who knows? LeBron usually sits back for these game ones, but maybe this is a game one more like where he's going to come out guns blazing and try to try to set the tone and get a lead in the series. I really don't know what to expect from this, like basketball wise at all, like these teams matching up. Cause I think did they play after the trade deadline, maybe one game after the trade deadline, they played against each other. But most of their matchups were earlier in the year. So this is really like the first look we're having with the new look Lakers at full go against full the Warriors. Or full strength, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, if you guys want to touch on any one last thing, Kavon Looney and Anthony Davis. Looney might be able to dominate Davis at for stretches in this period, in this series, and I think that's what's going to end up being the difference. Honestly, I'm, maybe I'm just remembering Mitchell Robinson just seeing the oh, trauma of the offensive no. But Looney's going to do the same thing. And it's, you know Davis is not going to have a good game every night. Well, I'm glad you brought his name up because he's kind of been the unsung hero of the world. He out-rebounded Sabonis by 29. Kevon Looney has been the unsung hero, and he's one of those guys where I think it was on the broadcast of Game 7, they called him, oh, he's the perfect role player, and he really is. He's been with the Warriors for their title runs, right? Everyone thought, oh, when they drafted James Wiseman, he's going to take over as the big man, or the Warriors should play small, and they do sometimes at the end of games play small. Looney comes out of late-game rotation. But for the most part, Looney plays every game for this team. I think he played every game again this year. He starts pretty much every single game for them, and he just does what he needs to do. And he stepped up big time in the King series. You said he out-rebounded Sabonis. Looney averaged 15 rebounds a game, four assists. I think he was getting a decent amount of offensive boards, and he doesn't need to do do anything else to score. He just needs to be that body down low. He needs to get the boards, and it's one of those eye test things too. When you watch that Kings series against the Warriors, there were just so many second-chance buckets the Warriors would score be off of a Kevon Looney offensive rebound. And he's one guy who I think deserves a lot more credit than he'll ever get, and he'll never get this credit. He's not a household name. He'll never be a household name. But Kevon Looney is part of the reason the Warriors can create the type of team they can because they have a guy like that. doesn't matter. He doesn't need to score. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. When he gets it, he's looking to pass to an outside shooter. But he is one of those guys who's a big body down low. He can get rebounds. He's very, very smart with kind of how he gets his rebounds or how he plays defense. And he's someone who just has great on-court awareness, but is also just a monster down low. And I'm glad you brought his name up because he's someone no one else talks about, right, yeah. Jake? But he was probably the main reason the Warriors won that series. He was, series huge. He was awesome. 
He probably was. He neutralized Sabonis both offensively and defensively. Awesome, and he does it. He always is like this in the playoffs. He just he's so always. smart. I didn't know that he was a five star prospect, which explains a lot of like the athleticism mm-hmm. and everything else. And he had a lot of injury issues. And there was a big story in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, actually, about how he's embraced like yoga. Him and Moses Moody are like yoga buddies, and they do it every day before mm-hmm. practice and everything. But just like the attention to detail that he realized, like I'm getting injured all the time. I can't be effective. Like what do I yeah. need to do? and found a way to be an impact player on the Warriors for this whole time. And he's and he's been such a key part to this di- this run and everything else. And I think he'll have a huge impact, you know, just with – because it really, Amari, if AD is – you know, if he plays to his standard for five of seven games, they should win the series. He should be theoretically the best player in this series, right? You're muted, Amari. Or your mic's unplugged. Oh, no, I think you're muted. There, there you go. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, with the whole Anthony Davis thing, I do think it'll be a more difficult series. I don't know how difficult, but, I mean, for being honest, he was just able to kind of skate by in the Memphis series because they, uh, the past year in Jackson Jr., you know, they don't have Brandon Clark or uh, Steven Adams. So mm-hmm. it'll definitely be um, a more difficult series. Now, I do think of AD's ability to kind of stretch the floor, but when you have somebody behind Looney like Draymond Green who can kind of defend one through five, it really probably doesn't even become an advantage at that point because mm-hmm. they have a backup defender who can also defend AD and stretches mm-hmm. when Looney doesn't. So, um, I, I'm, I don't, I think AD would be kind of fine, but I definitely don't think that he'll have the series that he does, uh, against Memphis. And at that point, it'd just be kind of, uh, everybody else to kind of pick up the slack, whether it's LeBron or the bench or, uh, Rui or somebody, you know, Austin Reeves to kind of score those points like it was in Memphis. But at that point, um, it'd just be kind of everybody else to kind of pick up that slack. So. Reeves is going to outscore Poole in this series is, uh, I think, if I could bet that. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree because Poole, he's just been kind of off. We don't really know what's going on with him. And if I'm being honest, I don't really care. But to their <laughs> point, <laughs> but to their point, they're, if they want to get to the finals again, they're going to need what Jordan Poole did last year. And right now he's just not performing like he was, um, even with Steph scoring 50 in a game seven. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Who knows? It's going to be fun. I can't wait for it tonight. Let's get to the other game tonight. Heat-Knicks game two. We were on here, Steve. Or maybe we were on here. I don't know. We were on here last week talking about game one, right? And we were mm-hmm. saying what the, we thought of the series. And I said, I think Knicks will take game one. Then the Heat will rip off three straight. Because the Heat are going to take this series over. But they're not going to be ready game one. And what did they do? Completely took over game one. And just made – I was telling Amari before you jumped on here, Steve – that series, that game the other day just made me so much more mad about the Cavs series because I was like, the Knicks can look like this. Like, why, how can the Knicks look like this? Jalen Brunson can miss floaters in the lane. That's crazy. Like, what are we talking about? But the, it's just a credit to the Heat. The biggest question mark at this point, Steve, is what we're going to get out of Jimmy Butler. At, well, you know, well, he rolled his ankle up. What, any news Jimmy on that? Jimmy's playing tonight. He, yeah, Jim, he's out Jimmy's, tonight. He's out. Jimmy's confirmed out tonight. Jimmy's not playing, and I believe Brunson, who was also questionable with with an injury as well, he is going to play tonight, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So that could be a big swing in the series. The biggest thing for me in game one, and I get it, playoff Jimmy has been fantastic, but we all saw him roll his ankle. We all saw him on the court in pain. And he came back, and he made two free throws, and then they left him in the game. And it's a close game. If you are the New York Knicks, what are you doing? 
Why are you letting him just stand in the corner, both on offense, both on defense, and just basically play four on four? What are you doing having Josh Hart guard Jimmy Butler in the corner, who's basically out of the play, who's no threat to score, no threat to shoot? And you can clearly tell because at any other game during these playoffs in the fourth quarter, Jimmy's the one running the offense. He's the one who's got the ball thrown. So you have him in the corner. If you're the Knicks, you got to try to isolate that. You got to try to do a pick and roll or something to get Jimmy moving, to give yourself an advantage, to force the Heat's hand to take Jimmy out of the game. Because every basketball fan who's watching could clearly tell that Jimmy Butler was not even probably 80% at the end of that game. So if you're the Knicks, you got to do that. I also, too, want to say this is a must-win game for the Knicks. No Jimmy Butler. You have to win this game at home. It's nice that Jalen Brunson's playing. I believe I don't I don't know anything about Randall. I'm assuming he's not playing. And then you got R.J. Barrett, who I, I, you guys can cover your ears for this, was sensational against the Cavs. It was the R.J. Barrett yeah. that we wanted to see take the step of this regular season. And while well, he waited the whole 82 games of the regular season to take the step in the series against the Cavs, something that I didn't expect and something I don't think a lot of people expected. So I think tonight with no Jimmy Butler, who's not only, you know, carried the heat playoff Jimmy, he's also one of their best defenders. You got to have a good game out of RJ Barrett and especially with Brunson, who's, you know, even though he's playing nursing an injury, Julius Randle, I don't didn't play last game. I don't expect him to play this game. It's got it's got to be an RJ Barrett game. You have to win this game. You can't go out yeah. down 0-2 and go to Miami. So you just can't. Mike Breen earlier an hour ago on ESPN Radio said that he's fairly confident all three of the questionable guys are going to play, but okay. Butler's obviously out, so he was mm-hmm. wrong. So yes. I don't know about Brunson and Randall. He would have more knowledge on the Knicks side, obviously. I, um, I would assume Brunson plays, Randall doesn't, but we could see all three play. I'm, I, or, or both of them play. I know Jimmy's out. I saw that was just confirmed, but it's one of those things too. You also look at this Miami Heat. Randall's on the court right now, six minutes okay. ago. So that's a good look. And um, I think Brunson's on the court as well. The Knicks, it makes sense. I, I thought they might sit Jimmy, and it makes a lot of sense to sit Jimmy for this game because you're already up. You already stole the game. Get him rest until. Yes. When do they play again? They play Friday night, I think, or I no, think Thursday night. I think it's, Thursday yeah, night, I think yeah, yeah. Thursday right. night, and then they play Saturday afternoon. So it's also like thirty-six hour turnaround. He might not even play Game Three, honestly, depending on how this goes. Um, he's got to play, or Bam's got to step up. Well, that's the thing. Have Gabe Vincent try to be your offense. That's what I was going to ask. They don't have Hero. The heroes, heroes out for the Wolves play. It's going to be Lowry then. Lowry played awesome in uh, game one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got to be just because he's he's the veteran. Like I don't I yeah. don't expect Gabe Vincent to score another twenty points. You know right. what I mean? So for for Lowry to score eighteen, know, yeah, he's going to have to go back to that Toronto Kyle Lowry and kind of take over while um, you know Gabe Jimmy Thompson. You mean? <laughs> yeah. Dude's electric. I'll never yeah. forget the pull up three. I, I'm sorry. I'll just never <laughs> forget that 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 he hit that shot in that moment against Milwaukee. Like I was just never expecting when, as he was pulling up during that game, we talked about it last week, but as he was pulling up in that game, I was like, Gabe Vince is about to take this in transition. <laughs> right. And I, my opinion changed of him forever on that, but I'm with you. I don't know. It's gotta be like, it's Lowry. Lowry had a good game one offensively mm-hmm. though. Can he turn it back? Like a Harden turned it back last night and everything else. I don't know, but like, if it's any night to do it, bro, it's, it's tonight, right? Like True. turn up, just run that, run that bam and 
run that band, put Randall with his bum ass ankle in that band and allow me pick and roll and just go. Yeah, go. Throw, throw him out there and let the Heat take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what you need to do. Exactly. I mean, I don't know, man. I didn't. I'm like, I kind of want to put money on Miami to make the finals. Like, even depending on how Jimmy's ankle turns out. But, like, the way Boston looks and the way the Heat look right now, could you imagine? Like, Jimmy's just going to mentally bully anybody, any, either of those two teams right now. And if it's Philly, it's a personal vendetta for him. It's personal no matter what. Yeah. They lost in game seven of the right. Eastern Conference Finals last year. But if it's Philly, it's really personal. He, the Heat scare me. It's really just Jimmy turning his ankle is the biggest, I think, storyline in the NBA at this point because he it yeah. changed the whole playoffs the way he was going. I mean, he's been the Miami Heat. Man, um, all right. Any other thoughts on this game too tonight, or can you can Steve give us the breakdown on Nugget Sun? Because me and Amari go to bed, and apparently Steve, is, <laughs> I, I don't, got, you know, I don't sleep. sleep. Yeah, yeah. I, I you got to let us know what happened. Uh, yeah, see, I tried game one. I tried. I fell I asleep though. Last night, I I didn't even try. It was ten o'clock. Yeah. And I was like, I'm bad, man. This is, I'll know. I'll know when you fall asleep because the uh, Happy Hour Hoops group chat will get a little quiet. I'll be freaking <laughs> out to something in there. No response. <laughs> yeah, I'll wake up. Quiet. That's the funny part. Is I'll wake up at like four a.m. like on my couch to like six messages from Steve flipping out about whatever the late game is, and I was like, Motherfucker, <laughs> why am I like I missed it? <laughs> but yeah. Um, the biggest thing I think we could say about the, the game, and I was talking about this before we went live, the Nuggets won 97-87. They held the Phoenix Suns to 87 points. They held the Phoenix Suns to 87 points. And I know we have had our concerns with the Phoenix Suns saying they don't have really have a deep team, but they have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. You held that team to 87 points. That's a victory in and of itself. Jokic has been incredible. He's been incredible in the entire playoffs. I think last night was probably his best game. He had 39 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. I think every single time he just kind of chucked it up right in the paint at the hoop late in the fourth quarter, it just found its way in. Whether it wouldn't touch anything and just go straight through the net or touch eight different parts of the rim and find, the, find its way in. Jokic was incredible. Murray didn't have a great game. I think he made two shots in the fourth quarter. They were just nice step back shots. Classic Jamal Murray. Didn't play a great game. Jokic was sensational, but Murray made it one when it mattered. The biggest thing, though, and this is why I was off the Nuggets coming into the playoffs, that their defense is going to it's gonna it's gonna screw him over. Like they don't have anyone who can really guard Kevin Durant. They don't really have anyone who could guard Devin Booker. They have a guy who could guard LeBron James if they face him. They don't have the guard who could guard Steph Curry, stuff like that. And the Nuggets showed a they have the defense against Minnesota. Yeah, they let kind of. Anthony Edwards get his a few games. For the most part, it's pretty good defense. But these first two games, game one and now game two especially, was an unbelievable job by adjustments in the second half on the defensive end of the court. And that's where I am kind of eye-opening shocked at how well the Nuggets are playing because we all know what Jokic is going to do. We know Jokic is going to put up those numbers. We know he's going to make those circus shots. We know he's going to make those circus passes. It's Nikola Jokic. He's the back-to-back MVP. We already know that. We know what to expect. Jamal Murray, even though he didn't play great last game, he's looked closer to bubble Murray than than not in these playoffs sure. so far. We sure. know that. Michael Porter Jr., He's a streaky shooter. He'll hit the outside shots. You know, Aaron Gordon, a solid role player. Kid Caldwell Pope's been pl- playing pretty well this series. Actually been very well, very good defensively, but he had a good offensive game as well, and he's making his shots. 
So we kind of know what they are offensively, but they were a giant question mark of the Nuggets is what they're going to do defensively. Are they just going to get into these boat races with these teams where who can score 121st wins? And that's the opposite. They held the Phoenix Suns to 14 points in the fourth quarter. And not only did they hold the Suns to 14 points, yes, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are going to take a lot of shots, and KD didn't play great, 10 of 27 from the floor, 2 of 12 from third, three. But the Nuggets late in the game, when they were finally starting to pull away, when the Suns, I think they were up five going into the fourth, or the Suns were up five at the start of the fourth, whatever. And right off the bat, Nuggets went on a run. They get up like six, eight points, and they're kind of trading baskets. And then all of a sudden, you just – the Suns down to two seconds on the shot clock campaign, panic three in the corner. You know, it's just uncomfortable shots that they don't want to take. Devin Book with four guys in his face, stuff like that, where the Denver Nuggets defensive adjustments in game one and game two, not only said, oh, they're a threat to win this series, they're a threat to go all the way. Because that's been the biggest concern was the Nuggets' ability to play defense against these teams that have these type of superstars. Can they match up against them? And I don't know what happens in at halftime, but we've seen back-to-back game. Throw that out, Minnesota. I didn't really expect them to be a threat against the Nuggets. I've seen back-to-back games against the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, who I believe were the second or the favorite to win the West before these playoffs started, we've seen back-to-back games where the Nuggets have made not only the Suns look uncomfortable, but made the Suns be forced into situations that they don't want to play in on the basketball court, where the Denver Nuggets have just really dictated not only the pace, but they've dictated the type of looks the Suns are getting late games. And that is with Devin Booker and KD still getting up a ton of shots. Game one, KD was kind of an afterthought. Did not take, or sorry, Devin Booker was kind of after, didn't take a lot of shots. Game two, KD and Devin Booker took 56 combined shots and they were held to 87 points. All the credit, all the credit goes to the Denver Nuggets defense right there. And I know the Suns are kind of a two man show right now. Chris Paul, well, especially Chris Paul hurt. Yeah. Hurt. He got hurt. We'll see what happens rest of the series. But he hasn't been playing well even before he got hurt. DeAndre Ayton, we know DeAndre Ayton at this point, super inconsistent. But the Nuggets are just – their defense is the reason why I think they can not only win this series, but they can win the whole thing. I, I, we have not seen the Nuggets play this good of defense the entire season. And game two was that – displayed it was amplified of how well this team can play defense when it matters and that's scary yeah man i mean and with with cp out with the groin uh, groin at any age it's hard to come back and be effective mm-hmm. in a week which is what they need right now like they don't have two weeks the rest of the series they need it in four days they need to be effective um so who knows what, what's going to happen um, they said he was walking back to the bench, but with those groin injuries, it's not about how you can walk. You can usually walk fine. It's about the cuts and, and the plants and everything else, which is really would affect him. When you look at for game three, I think, Amari, it, it was greatly – thank you, Steve. That was a great breakdown just of what the Nuggets have been able to do to mm-hmm. just kind of stifle the Suns and and take away – like you knew what the Suns were going to do, but they're so good that they, they've been able to be so effective. And the Nuggets – have just made them look like a completely different team like they, that they've looked since KD has been there. Um, so you just wonder what the adjustments will be going back to Phoenix. But I think, Amari, you got Durant and Booker, two guys without CP. They're gonna they're probably talking to each other these next couple of days. Like, oh, my mic just fell. Um, looking at each other and saying, we got to go out guns a blazing game. Like, we can't go out. Like, how many shots? 60 shots from them? 70? Six combined shots from Kevin Durant. That's what I mean. So, it's got to be 60 in game three. Like at least, <laughs> I mean, it, it, but that's what's crazy about it too, right? 
Like, they're getting 56 shots. They had 59 points. KD didn't shoot well. They kind of had a bad shooting night and did, anomaly yeah. for KD. I'm not too worried about KD. Very rare does KD go 10 for 27 on back-to-back yeah. games. But the Nuggets are letting those guys take shots. It's just the important shots at the end of the game. They'll let them score. But the important shots at the end of the game, they're like, you're getting at someone else's hands. Mm-hmm. And that has been super impressive to me. Because it's either like, and, and if you watch the game, if you go back and watch the fourth quarter too, yeah, Devin Booker scored a little bit there. He kept the Suns in it for the most part. Kevin Durant wasn't his best. But they were not easy looks. It's not like, oh, we're going to, like when you watch the Suns Clippers series, the, the Clippers were like, we're just going to double Kevin Durant and give Devin Booker the most wide open looks. That yeah. was their defensive plan. What are you doing? The Denver Nuggets I have have really shown we know how to defend when both these guys are on the court. And that's what's been most impressive for me because they're either taking really tough looks or they're saying, hey, we know the Suns' biggest weakness is they just don't really have depth. They don't really have their, you know, supporting shooters. Let someone else beat us. And so far in two games, that hasn't been the case. Now, do we really think that the Nuggets are for real? Is it their defense or is it just – Phoenix not showing up because, I mean, even with Jamal Murray, he didn't play well, didn't shoot well, 3 of 15 no. in the last game. And yet he was still, what, plus 14 while Booker and Durant combined were minus 11. And we saw how many points that they put up. But do we really expect the Nuggets to kind of go all the way? And this is this yeah. is me acknowledging how well that they look right now. Mm-hmm. But even the Suns, if they want to win the next game, especially with Chris Paul out, they have to get eight and more involved somehow. Agreed. I don't know how he's going to perform better, but he looked a lot better uh, two years ago when they were making their finals run. And you thought, you know, okay, this is something that we could get used to, especially if the Suns are going to kind of hang around and be at near the top or at the top of the Western Conference. And for whatever reason, that just hasn't happened. He's standing behind the backboard watching other people fight for rebounds. I don't know what happened. But if they're going to win, they need to get him more involved, even if you're going to have Durant and Booker put up all the shots because – like you said, that lack of depth, they don't have anybody else to kind of really score for them, especially because they traded away who they did have to get KD. And now you're kind of seeing the ramifications of that now, uh, which can kind of be forgotten until you get to this point. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying that I expect the Suns to get swept, but right now I don't really see how they pull out any win, even if they're at home in Phoenix. And so uh, I don't really know only, what to expect out of them. And that's literally the only thing I can think of is that Denver has the best home court advantage in the NBA and they're yeah. the best team in the league. So it's really hard to go there anytime, but especially this year and maybe – that's what flips it on its head is role players don't play as well for Denver. And maybe you get like a hot campaign or something like that. And gave, but that's the only thing I could think of at this point. That I will, but I will say too, if we're talking about, if we're ranking the guys who just take over a playoff game in terms yeah, of, got one Oh, I'm hot. I'm going to make, I'm going to just make whatever I want. At, no matter what the defense is, it's going in. Devin Booker and Katie are both near the top of that yeah. list, right? The only other ones maybe you put ahead is maybe Steph Curry and the playoff Jimmy Butler at this point, right? But those yeah. are those are two of the guys near the top who are like, if I'm hot, it's just going in. And we have already seen that in the Clippers series with Devin Booker, where the Clippers are like, we're just not going to let KD beat us. And Devin Booker's like, I'm just going to beat you. Anything I want is going in. So I think that's the way the Suns can get back in, right? Because then you'll have the home crowd behind you. It's much easier with the momentum, too, when you have a hot superstar shooter like that, when they're just feeling it, when they're just chucking up from whatever, heat checking everything, and it's going in. That's when you can really kind of gain momentum and put the Nuggets in a tougher spot. But I'll say right now, Amari, I just was very 
I had my doubts about the Nuggets. I was very not like, I don't know, disinterested in them, but I didn't think the Nuggets were really that enticing of a team or exciting team. I was like, yeah, we know they got Jokic, the back-to-back MVP. We know Jamal Murray's very good, but the other role players, they go up and down. Like, it's a, it's an okay team. I just don't think they'll put it all together. And Minnesota series, they looked really good, but Minnesota's like, yeah, it's the Minnesota. These first two games of Phoenix, it's not just – how the Nuggets like, or it's not just that the Nuggets have won; it's how they've won. It's the adjustments it's made. It's how they've looked, kind of night and day, from the first half to the second half of games on the defensive side of the ball. And that, to me, is really kind of a wake-up call. Where like, hey, the biggest concern about the Nuggets coming into the playoffs is if they can play their this defense. And I know they still got to win two more against Phoenix. They still got to go to Phoenix, and then <laughs> no matter what happens, they're either facing Curry or LeBron. Regardless of what happens, you have to go through one of those guys. The defense looks good, and I'll tell you what right now, there's not many teams that have anyone who can stop Nikola Jokic, and DeAndre Ayton is not that guy right now. You are not that guy, pal. DeAndre Ayton has not been that guy, and I don't think he will be that guy. So if the Nuggets can keep this defense up, like we said, they held the Suns to 87 points with KD and Devin Booker. I don't care who else is on the team. That's a a win in itself. The Nuggets have really opened my eyes where they might be a legitimate threat now. And we're starting to see it, too, where finally, after three weeks, the uh, the betting odds, the books are finally starting to respect the Nuggets. Where they were, I think, before this series started, nine and a half to one to win the NBA yeah. Finals. Now yeah. down to like four to one or something. It, it's... The Nuggets are not only, you know, all winning games, they're passing the eye test. And that's the biggest thing we've never seen from the Nuggets before in previous playoffs. They're passing the eye test finally. All right. The real question I have for you, Steve, is how's yeah. Meerkat feeling as he's not here? Meerkat's feeling pretty good. I haven't. I haven't I haven't seen Meerkat in person in a few days. I know you have He got sick. I've talked to him a little bit. He's feeling pretty good. He doesn't seem worried right now. He he's loving how Jokic is he going. He was a little worried. upset though. He was a little upset after last night because he had a same game parlay that would have hit, but Jamal Murray couldn't hit a three. <laughs> <laughs> he could he couldn't hit a three. He was 0-9 from three. But oh, other than nine. that, Meerkat's oh. Meerkat's feeling really good. And the one That's thing good. Meerkat pointed out to me, which I think you know. After he pointed out, I kind of realized Contavious Caldwell Pope's playing pretty well. He, he's playing pretty well. And when he plays pretty well, he's he's probably the Nuggets' best oh. on-ball defender. And if yeah. he's making his open shots because teams are going to leave KCP open to shoot threes, that's scary, man. Yeah, KCP, you talk about that defensive side. He's that's the real that's a real man on the defensive side. He's mm-hmm. gonna be able to give whoever on the perimeter hell, whether that's Steph, whether yep. it's you know Reeves, Russell, whoever it could be in the next round. He, he's gonna do a lot. All right, any other thoughts on the on anything before we go? I think that's pretty I just good. have go a ahead. quick question. Like I was saying, I, I just want to know how demoralizing that the Suns must feel because when you have that kind of out that offensive output from your two best players. And you lose by ten while Jamal Jamal Murray only scores ten points. How do you feel in that locker room going into Game Three? You're already down 2-0. Like, do you really think mm-hmm. that you have a chance? And I'm sure that they do. I mean, I don't expect. I was gonna say, I know, up, I know two like, guys. I know two guys who know think that they have a chance, and that's all. That's their only shot, anyway. And, and that's true because to Steve's yeah. point, it, the the two guys that can just go out and make any shot whenever they want to are on you know in, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But to that point, we saw what they did in Game Two, and yet they yeah. lost by ten points. So yeah. it's how 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 can you translate that into a win to try to stop these guys? Because like you're saying, Denver, their depth is performing at a much higher level right now than Phoenix is. So how are you going to stop them, especially having the two-time MVP and still kind of, you know, 
sneak out a win when two of your best guys are performing, even if they're not shooting well, they're putting up the points that you need to win. And yet you still come out with the loss like that. So it's kind of like, I mean, where are you mentally? I I think they need someone else to step up a little bit, just take a little bit off. And they they do. And and that's why I brought up Aiden, because it's like, if you're not going to have Chris Paul, we could, we've seen what Aiden can do. It's just that he doesn't do it often enough. And if they're going to get at least a game three win going into game four with a little bit of momentum, they need him to do a lot better, even if it's not necessarily like, uh, I mean, whoever you want to pick, but it's just like, they just need somebody down low to kind of help them along. Oh yeah. Some lobs or something. Some offensive rebounds like Looney to get them some second chances, like we saw Mitchell Robinson. Unfortunately, we keep bringing him up, but they need something like that, yes. and, you know, to give them some more chances. And not only just the rebounds, they need Aiton to at least play a little more aggressively offensively. Because guess what, Jokic is guarding you. Get him in foul trouble. Force yep. Jokic to go to the rim. Or Force just Jokic get him to tired. Make defense. him work. Make him tired. Yeah. Make him uncomfortable. Because we, when the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though they didn't play great, when they found a little bit of success, it was taking the ball to the lane. The Phoenix Suns are just taking jump shots right now, and I get it. When you have Devin Booker and KD, you can do that. But you should attack the room. Make Jokic play defense down low. Get him in positions. Because I'll tell you what, too. I love the full of Jokic. But when he gets in foul trouble, when he's when he's getting attacked under low, hey, it's a head case for him. He gets flustered. He's always arguing with the refs. It's getting in his head. It gets him frustrated on the other end of the court. And B, too. Like Jokic has gotten in foul trouble before, especially in the regular season. It, it, it you just gotta attack him. But that's another thing, and I don't want to bring go back to where we talked about the Boston Celtics. But that's a mental mindset thing for DeAndre Ayton. Look at this guy; he is a giant man. He's seven one. He's like two. What is he? Two seventy? Like this is a guy. Get in Jokic's way. Seven foot two fifty. Go after Jokic. Make him defend you. And we haven't seen it from eight yet. And like you said, Amari, I mean, we've seen glimpses of it before, but that's the guy they need to step up because we just don't see it consistently enough. And we've seen it in spurts where like Aiton can do this. And you talked about it the last playoff run. We saw Aiton take a little bit of that step. He, I know that he's kind of the third or fourth guy technically now after Booker KD Paul. But he's got to have that mindset with I'm going up against arguably the best center in the world right now, Nikola Jokic. I have to show him that I'm here to play too. Yeah. We got some breaking news. I don't know if anybody else knows. Joel Embiid has officially been named MVP. Hey. There we go. official now. There we go. I don't think it's a shocker to anyone. Um, no. He kind of earned it in the second half of this year. And like I said, too, they're not giving Jokic three straight. No chance. Yeah. No chance. They were going to yeah. give him three straight. They're, we're well, not going to have another Larry Bird. But well-deserved, too. It was one of those things where I think Embiid got MVP as well for his play over the past like three seasons. We talked about this a few times on the pod where he was one of those guys, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, where they've just been some of the most dominant players for three, four seasons. It's just a matter of time. I'm happy that he got his. You can't well tell deserved. the story of the last five years without saying those three names when Correct. you're talking about it. And yeah, it's, it's well deserved. Hopefully, he's back tomorrow too. Hey, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see that'd him. That'd be a fun series. That'd yeah. be that'd be a fun game because Celtics back against the wall, and now yep. Embiid's back. Embiid oh. And just the the Boston crowd giving it to him after he gets yeah. named MVP. It's gonna be a fun atmosphere. So. Hey, congrats, Joel. Hey, maybe Jokic is mad, though. You think he cares now? I say, hey, look out Phoenix because you're already down 2-0. Now you're going to lose by 30. 
<laughs> uh, did you see the voting at all too? Did they release that yet or not? Uh, no, I didn't see it. Yeah. Okay. Man, wow. I was... yeah, he, he definitely deserves it though, especially after last season. It was so yeah. such so close of a race last season yep. that it almost feels kind of like a makeup. Like you really didn't. You couldn't go wrong naming either one person MVP, but no. with Jokic winning it last year, it was the second of, of two in, in consecutive years. It almost felt like, okay, Embiid, if he kind of repeats putting up another 33 points this year, uh, you just kind of had to give it to him. He definitely took it, especially those last um, couple meetings against Jokic. Um, yeah, that, and that I think, one, I think Embiid didn't play. Embiid or Jokic didn't play the last of their two meetings. I can't remember, right. but um, Embiid looked good against the Nuggets in his yeah. first game. Uh, so it's kind of that head-to-head matchup. You just kind of had to give it to him. And he was the best player after uh, the All-Star break, without question. Exactly. I, I think he was the most dominant player without the All-Star break. And it was it also helped, too. We talk about team success plays into MVP a little bit. They had more the 76ers, yeah they, yeah, they looked like one of the best teams because it's Joel Embiid. So well-deserved. Um, I know I know there might be a certain Nuggets fan who might be upset because all the Nuggets were the one seed. He had the best statistical season. Whatever, whatever. Embiid deserved it. I'm glad he got it, too, because like you said, Jake, like Giannis, Embiid, um, and Jokic, they have been some of the most dominant basketball players over the past handful of years. It's glad, I'm happy that they all got one. Shout out to one. The, the, one of the best success stories in the NBA, too, like – that like, it's amazing that he made it to the league yeah. and as successful as he is. So on that note, shout out Joel Embiid, shout out Amari and Steve for being here. Uh, shout out all you listeners, everybody that followed along here, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us at happy hour hoops one boys. We got game two Knicks heat in about 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm gonna try to stay up for that Lakers Warriors game. Oh, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm about to make it I feel like I have to for tonight. It's game one. You just got to see how that series is gonna go. I was, I was literally saying earlier. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm tw- 26 years old. LeBron and Steph, 38, 35. They're, this might be the last time ever. If I can't for seven nights stay up till 11:30 Central Time, Man. what am I? What am I? <laughs> it is, I honestly do think it's a crime. Like, what are they doing? 10 o'clock on a weekday? Oh, like, know. what are we doing? You know, what, you know what? I should have put this in news and notes. You want to know one of, the, one of some of the best news of the day is? NBA Finals games will not start at 9 Eastern. They will start at 8.30 this year again. Oh, that's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Shout out, Connor. Shout out, JBC. Hell yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, 8.30 starts, guys. And that's 7.30 for me. I'll be done with Finals games by 10 o'clock. Ooh. Oh Look my you. god! But those games, you I know, those games your... end at like midnight, like Eastern. No, crazy. And it's the final, oh, yeah. so you have to stay up the entire time. Yeah, you're locked yeah, in, yeah, and, you and then you're so hours. tired after because you're like, that was I had so much adrenaline, and it's like, shit, I gotta wake up in five and a half hours. Right. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that's a good, great, great poll there. But yeah, all right, boys, let's let's enjoy the night. Have a great night, folks. I got nothing else. I was trying to think of something fun to say. <laughs>